Good morning. Good morning. Whoo. Well, happy January the 8th. Already? My goodness. It's almost time to start decorating for Christmas again. Wow. We'll put these down for a couple weeks and we'll set them right back up, it sounds like. Let's pray as we get started this morning. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. God, I pray today that your word would not just be something that we just have to think about, not just something that, that enters into our ears, God, but we pray that your word would also enter into our hearts this morning. God, that we would be changed and that we would go out and change our homes and the world that we live in. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 37. We'll get there here in just a moment. Isaiah chapter 37. And if you uh, want to, you can also put a, a little finger or a bookmark in Psalm chapter 116. Today we're going to talk about prayer. Prayer. It is uh, the eighth day of our 21 days of prayer and fasting here at Calvary Tabernacle. And uh, Brother Billy and I, we would really love to uh, see what God's Word has to say about this subject of, of prayer and fasting so that it's on the front of our minds, it's in the midst of our hearts, and uh, so we want to talk about prayer. And as you're turning there, I want to give a testimony of some answered prayer, because it was one year ago today that I had an accident while hunting and broke uh, my L2 transverse process, which is part of the uh, second largest vertebrae on your spine. And uh, I was in extreme pain, immobilizing pain, uh, for quite some time. I spent the night in a recliner for eight weeks and, and couldn't hardly get up, walk around, move around, couldn't hardly do much of anything. And my prayer was this, God, I pray that you would heal my back without the need for surgery and that you would take this pain away. And I had some people that came up and, and lovingly, you know, they, they you know, attempting to, to sympathize with, with the pain that I was having, would say, oh, you know, I, I hurt my back, you know, back, you know, in 1982, and, and uh, it still gives me trouble today. And I, I, as lovingly as I could, I, I would say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry that happened to you, but that's not going to be my story. I believe in God that he is a healer that he can heal, he created my body, he can certainly heal such an injury. And, and my prayer has been, God, I pray that you would heal it completely. And let me tell you, just about a month and a half ago, I started noticing that I would be able to go through a complete day without any pain. Never had to have surgery, and I believe I'm standing here today as a testimony of answered prayer that God heals. He is a healer, and he is a God who answers prayer. And so the, the title of today's message is this, God Answers Prayer. And my hope is that whenever we leave here today, we would be encouraged, that our faith would be emboldened to be able to go into prayer, to go into that moment of prayer, and to stand confidently that God will hear and answer our prayers. 
So today, listen, if you leave here today and you have no confidence that God answers prayers, uh, then it probably means you slept through the whole sermon. Uh, I have been known to put a few people to sleep before, so it wouldn't be the first time. But anyways, God answers prayers. If you're taking notes, please write this down. This is point number one. God hears you. God hears you. When you pray, you need to know this. God hears you. God hears me. Would it change the way that you pray? Would it change the amount of time that you spend in prayer if you knew without a shadow of a doubt that God hears me when I pray? My mom is here. Uh, whenever I was a kid, uh, she was, I remember one day she was telling us that whenever they named us, you know, they, they gave us the names that they, they chose or liked or whatever. She said, but your name has a meaning. And uh, so I don't remember how old I was, Mom. I was maybe six or seven or eight whenever she was telling us this. And, and she said, Samuel means heard by God. And ever since then, I, I don't know, as a young kid, whenever she told me this, I, I just believed it. That whenever I pray, God hears me. And I remember being a little kid, and I would, you know, say my little prayers. And, and I just had this confidence that, that God hears me when I pray. When I speak, the Lord hears my prayers. Would it change anything if you knew that God heard your prayers? I want to tell you a story about a man named Hezekiah. His story is found in three different places in the Bible. In the book of 2 Kings in 2 Chronicles, and again, in the book of Isaiah. Fun fact, the book of Isaiah is uh, a collection of words that God spoke to his people through the prophet Isaiah, but sandwiched right in the middle of this book is a, a, a historical retelling of part of the life and uh, kingship of a man named Hezekiah. He's really the only person uh, in the book of Isaiah that's talked about specifically. His story is specifically talked about in the book of Isaiah. But in 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, and the book of Isaiah, the Lord talks very highly of Hezekiah, saying that he was a godly man who sought the Lord with all of his heart throughout his life and even compares him to King David. Says he sought the Lord like his ancestor, King David. He's a very wonderful, very godly man, and, and throughout, if you read his story in these three different places, you will see that Hezekiah was a man that knew how to pray. He, knew, he understood how powerful prayer was, what it meant to him, what it meant to his kingdom, what it meant to those uh, he ruled over. He understood what it meant to go into that place of prayer and to talk to God. And he understood that God hears me when I speak. So Isaiah chapter 37, and I'm going to kind of be bouncing around uh, between several different of these stories, 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, and Isaiah, uh, because each one of them tells a little, bit, uh, a, a little bit more intricate of a part than the others do. Um, so we're going to be jumping around, but for right now we'll start in Isaiah chapter 37, and we're going to start in verse 14. It says, after Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, he went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord, and Hezekiah prayed. Let me give you a little bit of a context to this. 
Isaiah is the king of Judah. And whenever he became king, the Bible tells us in the first month of the first year of his reign, in other words, right off the bat, Hezekiah went all throughout Judah and tore down the, the sacred shrines and the pillars and, and all of these, the, the Asherah poles and all these things that the people had set up to worship. He tore them all down. And it says that he sought the Lord his God. But I want you to notice something. Even though Hezekiah was a godly man, we see that there was still trouble around him. There was still hardships. There were still situations, things that he had to face. Even though the Bible tells us he sought the Lord his God wholeheartedly, we still see that there's trouble. And, and it shows us here that the king of Assyria, King Shennacherib, that's a fun one, he sends some of his delegates to Judah to speak to Hezekiah and say this, hey, we're going to come and we're going to annihilate you. Just heads up. Just thought you should know. <laughs> and we're going to completely dominate you. And Assyria is the, the largest empire at this moment. They've got the, the world's strongest army. And they have gone on crusades all around destroying kingdoms and kings. And, and uh, so they sent this letter to Hezekiah saying, uh, by the way, uh, we hate you. Uh, your God's not real and we're going to kill you. And so Hezekiah, he takes this letter, this awful, awful letter, and what does he do? He takes it into the temple of the Lord, and he spreads it out before God, and he begins to pray. He begins to pray. He prayed this prayer before the Lord. O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Look what he says in verse 17. Bend down, O Lord, and listen. Remember this, because we'll come back to it here in just a moment. It says, open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to Sennacherib's words of defiance against the living God. It is true, Lord. I want you to notice what he says here. It's true. It's true that the kings of Assyria have destroyed all these nations. And they have thrown the gods of these nations into the fire and burned them. But of course, the Assyrians could destroy them. They were not gods at all. Only idols of wood and stone shaped by human hands. Now, O oh Lord, our God, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone, O oh Lord, are God. That's a good prayer. Like if we're going to pray, I think we should pray a little bit like Hezekiah. Sure, God, this is all happening around me. I understand that these things are coming against me. I understand that these things have happened in my past. But you, oh God, you alone are Lord. You are mighty to save. Come on. We need to we do this in youth, so, so please forgive me. This may seem a little bit juvenile for some of you, but would you put your right hand up in the air? <laughs> I just looked at a couple of my students. They're smiling. Just go ahead and put it around the back side of your neighbor there and just kind of pop them in the back of the head, just a little pop, pop. <laughs> Listen, I think we need to understand that our God is mighty, and when we pray, he he hears us. He's listening. Why wouldn't we pray, church? 
I mean, sometimes I just feel, come on, why wouldn't I pray about that? Why wouldn't I go to God in prayer with this situation? He is a mighty God. He is a mighty God. My goodness. Let me see if I can find this real quick. Uh, in verse 36, Isaiah chapter 37, verse 36, it says, That night the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. And when the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. Then King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and returned to his own land, he went home to his capital of Nineveh and stayed there. Tell me God isn't mighty. Tell me that he doesn't hear you when you pray. Judah didn't even have to lift a sword. God just sent his answer. Please understand, God hears and answers when we pray. Well, about this time, something else devastating happens in Hezekiah's life. Uh, look at chapter 38, verse 1. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet of Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to visit him, and he gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says, set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. Imagine just seeing God's mighty hand at work in your life and in your kingdom to destroy your enemies, send them packing back home to stay. And then the prophet of God comes up to you and says, oh, hey, by the way, you're sick. You're going to die. You're not going to recover. Go ahead and uh, get your will written out because uh, time's not, not on your side, buddy. What does Hezekiah do? He hears this devastating news. What does he do? Come on, he prayed. Look at verse 2. It says, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. When he heard it, Isaiah came up to Hezekiah and said, hey, you're going to die. This is it. This is where it all ends. Here's Hezekiah. Oh, God. Oh, God. I mean, he just turns around right then and just starts praying. Ooh, are y'all ready for this? It says in verse 4, chapter 38, verse 4, then this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Go, go back to Hezekiah and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayers, and I have seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. Yes, I will defend this city. Come on. That is good. Tell me, give me one good reason why we shouldn't pray. In 2 Kings, we read this story, and it tells us in 2 Kings chapter 20 that Isaiah, he came and delivered this terrible news to Hezekiah, and he goes to leave the palace, and Hezekiah is 
turned his face towards the wall, he starts praying. It tells us that Isaiah hadn't made it out of the middle courtyard of the palace yet when God spoke this word and said, go, actually, you know what, go back. Tell him I'm going to give him 15 more years. You're talking about an answer to prayers? God said, you, you won't recover from this. So Isaiah, he turns around to walk out, and he's not even halfway out of the palace, and God is like, you know what? I heard a prayer. I've seen Hezekiah's tears. Go back and tell him, you know what? You've got more time. Wow, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Psalm chapter 66, verse 18 says, if I had not confessed the sin of my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Psalm 34 verse 17 says, The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. Are you connecting? Is everybody Understanding where we're going with this right here. Psalm 18, verse 6. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. This is what God is saying. He says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. Verse 15 says, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. In each one of these passages we just read, you'll notice it'll say something like, God heard my cry. God listened to my prayer. God hears when his people pray. Now, I went into uh, the Hebrew here and, and looked up this word hear or hears or heard or listen, and most of the time in the Old Testament, uh, our English word for hear, hears, heard, listen, any of those words, it comes from the Hebrew word shema, shema. You want to know what that word means? It means to hear and answer. So I, I, I try to remind my students this really often. The Bible that we read here is, this is an English translation. It's, it's translated from an original writing of this Old Testament, which was originally written in Hebrew. And if you're in the New Testament, it was originally written in Greek. So whenever you're reading your English translation, uh, what they've done is they, they have given the, the best uh, translation for the words that they think will help us to understand what's being spoken or what was originally written. But sometimes our English words aren't, um, aren't deep enough to really capture the full thought of the Hebrew or Greek words. This word shema means hear and listen. You can look it up. So I want to read a couple of these scriptures one more time with that thought in mind that we're reading Shema. It says, Psalm 66, verse 18, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but God did listen and 
answer. God did Shema. He did listen and answer. Proverbs 15, verse 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears and answers the prayers of the righteous. Psalm 34, 17, the Lord hears and answers his people when they call to him for help. Psalm 18, verse 6, but in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard and answered me from his sanctuary. And then again in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, he says, I will hear and answer from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. Can I encourage you? My hope today is that we leave here with confidence whenever we go and pray. That God not only does he hear, but he hears and answers. And before you start thinking, well, you know, all those were the Old Testament, Sam. Let's look at uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says, and we are confident that he hears us. Whenever we ask for anything that pleases him, and since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Our God is a God who hears and answers prayer. Can you say it with me? God answers prayer. I think we need to be reminded of this, church. I really do. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to, to dog on anyone. I know people's schedules are, are, are all different, and I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to say anything, so please don't put any other meaning behind this. But why is it that whenever we call times of prayer, 10 or 15 may show up? Whenever we have a God who answers prayer, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to shame anyone. I'm not trying to say any of that. I, listen, I understand that we can pray at home just as well as we can pray in the house of God. But there's something, too, about coming together corporately and praying together as the body of believers. Because when we come together and we lift our voices, the, the promise is that God hears and answers our prayers. So I want to encourage you, if you're able to make it, come to prayer tonight at 6 o'clock. Come on Tuesday night at 6.30 because we're going to pray and God's going to answer because he hears. Amen. God answers prayers. This Hebrew word Shema tells us that he hears and answers. And how, how many of you as parents, you don't, don't raise your hand at this because we, we don't want everybody knowing uh, your faults and failures. I was just talking uh, to the childs right before uh, service about parenting and how having kids can really humble a person. Um, <laughs> this is one of those humbling times. Have you as a parent ever told your child to do something, you know, go, go clean your room, and they didn't do it? And you, you said, hey, listen, I said, go clean your room. And whenever they don't do it again, how many of you wonderful parents who are perfect in every way have ever in your frustration said, are you deaf? I said, go clean your room. Like, what is, uh, do I need to clean out your ears? Like, what's wrong here? It's the same, th that word Shema is that same thought that whenever you hear, you, their action will follow. And it tells us that whenever we pray, God hears us and action follows. I'm not saying you should 
go into prayer and say, God, are you deaf? <laughs> like, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but that's what the word Shema means, is that whenever you hear, it's almost as if your ears are connected to your feet somehow, right? Like, whenever you hear, action will take place. And that's God's promise to us, that not only does he hear, but action is going to follow. Come on. God answers prayer. Here's the second point. Write down in your notes, God sees you. God sees you. I think one of the biggest reasons most people don't put a priority or, or don't value prayer is because we have this, this thought that maybe God won't hear me when I pray. Or maybe God doesn't see me in what I'm going through. And can I tell you for a fact, that is a lie from the devil. God sees you. God hears you. And the promise is that God answers when we pray. When we call out to him in prayer, God answers. So can I encourage you, don't get discouraged when you pray and you don't see things happen immediately. Because our God is a God who answers prayer. I love this message that we read here in, in Isaiah chapter 38 about Hezekiah. Because this man, is he's got threatening letters that they're going to be destroyed. So what does he do? He goes and he lays the letters out before the Lord. Why? Because God and God sees it's almost as if Hezekiah was like, God, look at this. Let me spread these papers out. I need you to look at something. Look at this. And I'm not saying that if you, you display your problems before God that he's going to answer you any more or any less. But what I'm saying is this, Hezekiah must have understood something, and that's that God sees us when we pray. That God sees us. He, he sees our hearts. He sees our situations. He sees what we're going through. He's not oblivious. Did y'all know, did, did you know that when you pray, God is never surprised? It's not like, you know, we come in here to pray on tonight at 6 o'clock and God's like, oh my goodness. Well, I had no idea. I had no idea that was how. Oh, I am so glad that you guys at Calvary Tabernacle brought that to my attention because I just had no idea what was going on there. No, 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 no. That's not it at all. Why? Because God can see you. He can see your situation. He knows exactly where you are. He says this. He says he knows what you need before you even ask him. How does he know? Because God sees you. God sees you. He knows what's going on even beyond the surface, even beyond our, our flesh and blood. He, he can see what's going on in our hearts. He can see what's going on in our minds, the turmoil that we're going through. God sees you. And all Hezekiah could see was trouble and sorrow, but he understood that God could see that too and that God sees him when he prays. Can I encourage you, whenever you're going through a struggle, don't let that push you away from prayer. Let that push you into prayer. Let that push you into a place of prayer. 
a place of repentance, changing your mind about what you think God could or should or would do for you and just saying, God, here's my situation. I'm laying it out before you. I pray that you would have mercy on me. I pray that you would help me. That's what Hezekiah did, and we see that God answered, and he did it fairly quick (laughs) and in some pretty miraculous ways with Hezekiah. But what about for us whenever we pray and we don't see God move? It can be discouraging. I'm not going to be the one to stand up here and tell you, oh, you know, just have faith. You should. You should, absolutely. But sometimes that's hard for me to say because sometimes when I don't see God moving, I get discouraged and I get frustrated. And sometimes it's hard for me to, to keep faith whenever I pray. But church, if we would just understand, if we would just slap ourselves in the back of the head sometimes and remind ourselves that God answers prayer. Even if we don't see him answering it right around us, God answers prayer. I may just see trouble and sorrow, but God answers prayer. He sees me. He knows what I'm going through, and God answers prayer. Hezekiah prayed this, Psalm 38, verse 4. We already read it, but I want to read it again. It says, this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestors, David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I see Hezekiah what's bothering you. Can I say this today, church? God sees your tears. You may have been praying for a very long time for something that has just been breaking your heart. Can I encourage you today? God sees your tears, and he hears your prayer. And even if you feel like you've been praying for half your life, don't give up. Don't quit. Because, and God answers prayers. God answers prayers. Prayer. When you pray, don't look at your troubles and sorrows. We know they're there, but look to God. He said, God, look, look at these, Hezekiah, God, look at these letters. It's true that, the, that this king and that this kingdom has annihilated all of their enemies. But you, God, are mighty, enthroned between the cherubim. These other gods, they couldn't help their people. Why? Because they were all just wood and stone. But you, God, are the living God. And I've got troubles, I've got sorrows, I've got things all around me, but I've also got you, Jesus. And so I'm going to turn my attention to you because I know that you see me too. Look at what Jesus' half-brother James said in James chapter 1, starting in verse 5. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. Why? Because God answers prayer. He will not rebuke you for asking But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not respect to receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Tell us how you really feel, James. (laughs) When you pray, don't 
doubt that God is moving on your behalf. Don't go in there with this. Listen, this might change the way that you view prayer for the rest of your life, so please don't miss out. When you pray, do not go into that moment of prayer thinking, maybe God will hear me. Maybe God will answer. God answers prayer. It's a fact. It's repeated over and over and over and over again all throughout this wonderful book that our God answers prayer. James is saying whenever you pray, don't doubt it. Why? Because God answers prayer. James is encouraging us because a lot of times we can pray and we don't see God moving, but don't waver. Don't let your faith burn out. God answers prayer. He answers prayer. I want to show you a picture. Taya, if you could put that first picture up there for us, please. Uh, I talked during the the Christmas service a little bit about space and light years and all this kind of stuff because I I love it. Um, But this right here, this is a picture of the Ring Nebula. Uh, and this was taken in 1998 from uh, telescopes. And it, it's incredible. In, in, in case you missed third grade science, uh, a nebula is when a star is dying and it explodes. And all of the dust and gas from this star is, is thrown throughout space. It's just thrown into space. And, it, and then the nebula, they grow and they expand because that dust and that gas is, is being pushed from the explosion outward. And uh, it it creates these beautiful, beautiful images right here. And uh, so I want to show you, this was in 1998, taken from a telescope. Well, in 2017, uh, they took another picture from the Hubble telescope. And uh, this is the the next picture right here. This is the uh, nebula again. And you can see uh, it's not much different. Can you go back to the first picture, please? Look down here at the bottom left of the screen. There's a, a little star uh, that you see way off in the distance. It might be a galaxy. I don't even know. Uh, but it's shining bright. It's got a little blue tint to it right there. Look how far that is from the outer edges of the nebula right here. It's, it's I mean, I don't know how far that is, but it's probably a, a really far way away. Okay, now go to that second picture again, please. You see that star again over here on the left. And this picture is taken at just a slightly different angle and uh, with a much better camera, which is why you see more color and more definition uh, right there. But, but look at the outer edge of the nebula again and how far it is from, from that really bright uh, star right there. So between 1998 and 2017, whenever these two pictures were taken, so 19 years, uh, we look at the uh, nebula and we see there's not been a whole lot of change. <coughs> other than just a little bit of, of, of clarity and a little bit of a, a different angle uh, from the telescope whenever it took the picture. But the change isn't dramatic. It's, it's not like we look at this and say, wow, you know, that's, that's, that's incredible how much it's changed. I mean, we look at it, we see kind of all the same shapes, all the same features. It, it looks to be roughly the same size. You can't see a whole lot of difference between these. But researchers took these pictures and several others that they had taken of the Ring Nebula, and they compared them with one another, 
And by the way, the nebula is 2,000 light years away from Earth, uh, which, if you remember from our Christmas service, one light year is almost 6 trillion miles away. So I'll let you do the math. I'm not smart enough to do 6 trillion times 2,000. Uh, but it's a pretty far way away. Uh, cool fact, though, they say in the month of August, whenever, if, if the conditions are right, you can see this nebula through a good pair of binoculars. Uh, so even though it's so far away, you can still see it uh, with just the help of a, a good pair of binoculars. You don't even need a full telescope to see it. Um, but they looked at these pictures and other pictures, and they compared them and determined that the, the growth of this nebula, even though we can't really see it, too much of a change between these 19 years, but the growth of this nebula, they said that this dust and these gases are expanding throughout space at over 43,000 miles per hour. So this explosion that they believe happened around 4,000 years ago is pushing this gas and this dust through space at 43,000 miles per hour, which means that in 19 years' time, this nebula has grown by over 7 million square miles in just 19 years. But to us, from our perspective here, we look at it and things don't seem like they've changed much at all. And what if it's like that for us in prayer? Because when we pray, we tend to get discouraged when we don't see things happening right in front of us. But what if I could tell you that when we pray, God answers prayer? And he's moving things, and he's changing things, and he's answering in a way that is so incredibly powerful and impacting. And you might not even be able to see it, but the change is happening at an incredibly rapid pace. You may have been praying for that loved one that has not known Jesus for 16 years and have seen no difference whatsoever, but let me tell you, God is changing things. God is moving. There are explosive things happening in the spiritual realm that you might not be able to see, but I can stand in faith with confidence knowing that when we pray, God answers prayers. Come on. This is what Jesus said. Matthew records this in his gospel, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11. This is what Jesus said about prayer. And by the way, during this sermon, he had already taught about prayer just one chapter earlier in Matthew chapter 6, and he's talking about it again. I think it's maybe because he wants us to understand that prayer is pretty powerful, that when we pray, it's not just like we're throwing up empty words into empty space. But when we pray, God is attentive to it. This is what he says. Keep on asking. Keep on praying. And you may receive what you ask for. We need to understand before we leave here today, church, God answers prayer. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks, not just the most holy of saints, 
Everyone who asks, this is what Jesus says, so if you want to argue with that, take it up with him. Receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Look what he says in verse 9. He says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who pray, those who ask him? Jesus is saying this, don't give up in your prayers. You might not see change happening, but God sees you, and so you should not give up in your prayers. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. I love this. I, I wanted to show you all this. It's, it's so simple, church. It's so simple. But I think we've just bought into this lie that, that God is, he might answer or he might not. He might hear us or he might not. He might see us or he might not. But I want to show you, th this is what Jesus talks about prayer. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. He says, knock and the door will be open. It will be open. Not it might be open. Not it, it could happen. He said, ask and it will. Seek and it will. Knock and the door will be open. He said, but you sometimes, for whatever reason, we don't know, I don't know, but he knows. Sometimes you just got to keep on. He says, keep on knocking. But most of us will say, guess he's not home. I guess he doesn't hear me. I guess he doesn't see me. Jesus said, you better get back. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, keep on asking. You might not see it yet, but keep on seeking. You might not have found it yet, but keep on knocking. Why? Because if you keep on, the door will be open to you. It will be open to you. I want us to leave here with so much confidence that it's scary, that God answers prayer. And you, listen, I have to say this too, because I, I've heard it said this way before. God answers prayer in one of three ways. Yes, no, or wait. Sometimes we ask for a thing, and, and, and just like Hezekiah it's just like there's an answer. Yes, 15 more years. Yes, I will take care of the Assyrians. But sometimes, too, God's answer is no. <laughs> Listen, I said God answers prayer. Well, sometimes the answer is no. And we may not understand why, but we should also, whenever we go to prayer and we pray, if we feel that God is saying, you know, no, 
It's not because he doesn't love you. It's not because he doesn't care about you. But it's because he has something better planned for you. And what you've been praying for, you might think that it was the best option, the best thing, the, the best way that God can answer your prayers. But let me tell you, sometimes whenever God says no, it's because he's already got a plan and he's already started moving whenever you started praying to answer in a way that's going to be best for you, best for the kingdom, and it's going to bring glory to God. Sometimes the answer is wait, wait. Wait. But while you're waiting, keep on knocking. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. Jesus taught, taught actually, I think it's three different stories that we should pray and not give up. Pray and don't give up. And Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on seeking. Keep on knocking because God answers prayer. God answers prayer. Here's the last thing I want to tell you as the worship team would come on up. God understands you. God hears you. God sees you. And God understands you. God, listen to me, God understands you. And his answer is going to be beneficial for you. And you might have to wait, but that might be because God understands you and he knows that if you wait and you keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking, that whenever you get to the answered prayer, whenever you realize the answered prayer, it's going to be so much better for you, for your growth. Because God hears you, God sees you, God answers prayer, and he understands you. So he's going to answer it in a way that's going to be beneficial for you, church. But sometimes you might have to wait on it. And sometimes you might have to be okay with hearing him say no. But it's because he's working something out. He's answering your prayer. I know that may seem kind of hard to hear, but church, that's actually encouraging. You might not see it now, but just be patient. Just wait. Just keep knocking. Because he understands you. Psalm chapter 116, if your finger is still there, it's probably asleep, and I'm so sorry for that. But Psalm chapter 116, many Bible scholars believe that Hezekiah was the one who penned these words. This is what it says. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Look at this. Because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. And this, this whole chapter, Psalm 116, they, they believe Hezekiah wrote it because so many of the words line up with what Hezekiah went through and, and what he requested of God. Do you remember we read it earlier? He said, oh God, bend down and hear me as I pray. Oh God, open your eyes and see. And then we see right here, this must be the testimony of Hezekiah. I love the Lord because he hears, because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow, but God saw me. <laughs> then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. Look at his testimony. 
how kind the Lord is, how good he is, so merciful, this God of ours. Hezekiah says this. He says that whenever we pray, the Lord bends down to listen. Working with kids, I've learned a lot uh, the importance of, of bending down to listen. Because whenever they come to talk to you, especially if you're in a crowded room or a noisy place, it's hard to hear what they're saying. Some, some of them will come up and just speak so softly. What do you have to do? You have to bend down. You have to get down where they are. The Immaculate Conception. He came down to where we were. He understands us because he's been here just like us. It says the Lord bends down to listen. And this word listen comes from the Hebrew word zen, zen. And it means to broaden the ear. This is the imagery that Hezekiah gives us right here. When we pray, God bends down and he broadens his ear. He listens. Don't for one moment think that God doesn't understand you right where you are. He came down, he bent down, he broadened his ear. Why? Because he loves you and because he understands what you're going through. He bends down to listen. He says, I love him for that. And because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Church, we want to leave here with confidence today that when we pray, God answers prayer because he hears us, because he sees us, and because he has bent down and listened, he understands us. After Hezekiah's death, his son Manasseh became the king of Judah. I want you to look at what's said about his son Manasseh in 2 Chronicles chapter 33. This is right after it tells us about Hezekiah's life. <coughs> it says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 45 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. Unlike his father who tore these things down, it says Manasseh rebuilt the pagan shrines his father Hezekiah had broken down. He constructed altars for the images of Baal and the shrines uh, and set up Asherah poles. He also bowed before all the powers of the heavens and worshipped them. That's a fancy Hebrew way of saying that he worshipped demons. He built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord, the place where the Lord had said, my name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these altars for all of the powers of the heavens, these demonic forces, in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. Manasseh also sacrificed his own sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. He practiced sorcery, divination, and witchcraft. He consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger, arousing God's anger. Manasseh even took a carved idol he had made and set it up in God's temple, the very place where God had told David and his son Solomon 
My name will be honored forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen from among the tribes of Israel. If the Israelites will be careful to obey my commands, all the laws, decrees, and regulations given through Moses, I will not send them into exile from this land that I set aside for your ancestors. But Manasseh, he led the people of Judah and Jerusalem to do even more evil than the pagan nations that the Lord had destroyed when the people of Israel entered the land. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people. Listen, church, don't miss this. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they ignored all his warnings. Listen, church, God spoke to Manasseh. Bible scholars say that this was the most evil man, the most wicked man who ever lived, according to Scripture. And God still spoke to him. But Manasseh and the people of Judah ignored God and all of his warnings. So the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian army, and they took Manasseh prisoner. They put a ring through his nose, bound him in bronze chains, bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. So we see Hezekiah, who God talked so highly of. And we see that he was a man that sought after God with his whole heart throughout his life. And it's easy for us to look at scripture like that sometimes and think, well, of course, God, of course you would hear Hezekiah's prayers. He's a godly man. But I'm not, I'm not like Hezekiah. <laughs> I've, I've failed a lot, God. I've messed up a lot. My past isn't pretty. I haven't sought you wholeheartedly throughout my life. Why would a God like you hear and see and understand a messed up person like me? But I want to show you what happens next. The very next verse says, But while in deep distress, Manasseh sought the Lord his God and sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. Please hear me. God understands our weakness. And you can look at all the saints that have gone before you and say, well, of course God would move on them mightily because they, they're just, they were just closer to God. But my Bible tells me oftentimes we read that total sinners, including one that a lot of Bible scholars believe is the most wicked man throughout the Bible that we read of. And whenever he turned his heart towards God, in his moment of desperation, he prayed and God heard him and was moved by his request. Why? Because God answers prayer. God answers this is the last verse I want to read, and then we want to worship together, and we want to come to God in prayer this morning. Hebrews chapter 4. 
says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same temptations, yet he did not sin. So what should we do as a result of that, church? It says, verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Because God answers prayer. And because he understands our weakness, yet never sins, and because he took our punishment on the cross, gave up his life for my wicked self, died a brutal death, was buried in a grave, but on the third day, he rose again, as scriptures have said. He spoke with his disciples for a little while, and then he ascended into heaven, where it says he sits at the right hand of God, and what is he doing? He's making intercession. He's praying for you. So, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God because you will receive mercy. You will find grace when you need it most. Listen, you may have been in a marriage relationship that's been hard and you've been knocking, knocking, knocking. Don't stop knocking, church. Keep knocking. Why? Because we have access to come boldly to the throne of God. Say, God, I need you. I'm in a moment of desperation. And God, I need you. God, I know you hear me. I know you see me. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep knocking because I know that you will give. I know that you will help me find. I know that you will open the door. God, I'm going through a business deal right now that is wrecking my family. I don't know what to do about it, but I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking. God, my children, they're far away from you. I've been praying. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep seeking. God, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know where to go. I need wisdom. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking. Lord, I, I'm down on my knees, God, but I know that you've been down to listen. So I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm gonna... Church, and we don't even have to be timid about it. He says, come boldly to the throne. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. There, there's a picture of this. John F. Kennedy in the Oval Office sitting at the Resolute desk. It's a, it's a very famous picture. Underneath his desk is his son playing underneath the Resolute desk in the Oval Office. Listen, that's what prayer should look like for us. If I was to visit the White House, and if I was to be able to be privileged enough to, to be given an open door to go and look at the Oval Office, and if I was to crawl under the Resolute desk, Secret Service would come in there and rip me out. They would take me out of the building, 
there would be an investigation. I would never be allowed to go into the White House again. Why? Because I don't have that kind of access to act that foolishly. But here's the President of the United States seated at the place where some of the world's most important decisions are made. And his son is underneath the desk at his feet playing. And I think that's the picture that God wants us to get. We should come boldly to the throne like a child of the living King. Why? Because we've been given access to a God that is powerful to a God that is the most holy, the most omnipotent, the most omniscient. He is the only God. But we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to crawl up to the door. If you're wounded and you're crawling, he says, go ahead and come. But you don't have to crawl. You can walk boldly. God, I need you. And the promise is this right here, church. Are you ready? Here's, here's the promise. to the throne of God because God answers prayer. Praise God. Yes. Hallelujah. Earlier this year, yes. uh, there was